Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. We have a fantastic show for today with an incredible guest. Para-athlete Danny Arevich joins the show. Danny is one of my favorite athletes that I've had the pleasure of chatting with on any given runway. And she also might be one of the busiest as she currently has her sights set on both the 2021 Summer Games in Tokyo and 2022 Winter Games in Beijing. Danny's a former college athlete and her ambitious goal is to run in the Summer Olympic Games and compete in cross-country skiing at the Winter Games. It's an admirable goal, but it comes with the heavy challenge of balancing the necessary training for both events. On today's episode, Danny chats about her tremendous training schedule and how cross-training between the two sports has benefited her as an athlete. Danny also discusses how she avoids burnout and why she feels that rest days are mandatory. This was such a fun conversation. She has a wonderfully charismatic personality. Danny is someone who never takes the woe is me approach to her disability. In fact, she does the opposite. She embraces it and is constantly jokes about her situation. And you need to look no further than her Instagram handle, which is the one arm Dan. On today's episode, you'll notice that she's one of many times that she likes to poke fun at her situation. I think it's such a great mindset and it's one of the reasons she's been so successful. Such a fun conversation. I know you're going to love Danny. So let's go ahead and bring on para-athlete Danny Arevich and let's learn. You're incredibly active. So I'm curious, were you always that way? And when you were young, what were the sports and activities you enjoyed? I've always enjoyed sports. My parents put me in sports, I think at the age of three. Mm -hmm. and I did everything under the sun from downhill skiing to soccer to basketball, played softball, played lacrosse. I tried anything and everything. And I loved being busy as a kid doing different sports. And I tried to have a sport basically every season of the year. And I absolutely love them. And it was, it's been my passion and probably will always be my passion is sports. Can we talk more about that, about playing more than one sport? Because in today's age, it seems so many athletes want to specialize. Young athletes want to specialize, have, you know, if they're playing baseball, they want to pitch and coach in the offseason. They want to do club leagues in the offseason and so forth. For you, what do you think the value is in doing multiple sports instead of just focusing on one? Yes. From a young age, I think kids getting exposed to different sports, there's so many different lessons learned in sports. And I think a lot of lessons come from each sport. For example, if a sport is an individual sport versus if a sport is a team sport, I think there's a lot each individual could learn by doing an individual sport versus a team sport. I know for myself, when I was getting more serious about soccer, I was on a club soccer team, but at the same time, I still played softball. So while that might be challenging for some to try to balance two maybe in the same season, I think it overall will promote just a lot of learning. It will promote a lot of experience. And for some people, they might just never, if they never got to try the sport, they might never know if they'd ever like it. Like I just started competing at a high level in cross country skiing and I tried it at the age of 24. (laughs) Yeah. And cross country skiing, I think is probably the hardest cardiovascular sport (laughs) on the planet. Uh, Based on your experience, where does it rank on some compared to some of the other ones? I think cross-country skiing is very complementary 
to things such as biking, distance running, swimming in terms of the cardiovascular endurance it takes. But I think that the technique and the skill you have to learn in order to do it efficient, efficiently yeah. is one of the most challenging things I've ever had to yeah. try to tackle. I, I, I deeply admire all cross-country skiers because I know that anytime <laughs> I've been skiing, if it gets flat, just even a little flat, and I'm not going on a decline, <laughs> check me out. I, I'll start walking. Uh, how, how about in terms of, of burnout and keeping your mind fresh, how has participating in multiple sports for you personally, how does that help? And and with that, are there times where you're training for, for skiing that you can relate back to the previous sports that you have played? Burnout can definitely come up for anyone doing any sport. But I think that by doing multiple sports, it helps me avoid burnout because mm. there's always something to look forward to. If you are stuck in a rut with one sport, there's always something to look forward to for the next season coming up, for the next type of competition you're going to have. So I've really appreciated that aspect of it. With cross-country skiing, and since I am still just about a year and a half into it, I, uh, I don't know if I see a ton of similarities to other sports yeah. I played growing up, but I did have a distance running background. So I feel like particularly in race scenarios, I'm able to tap into the race mentality that I had in distance running. Yeah. Are there times that come up maybe when you're dragging or you're dying on a course and you're like, gosh, this is how much longer do I got to go, but you can tap back into, Hey, don't worry. You've done long races before, even not necessarily skiing, but you've done other ones before. Mm -hmm. I've definitely noticed that. And I think that's one of my stronger suits in cross country skiing being so new is that I have race experience again, like you said, not ski race experience, but race experience. So I'm able on different courses, different lengths of the races to have good tempo increases, decreases based on that, because I was doing that type of thing in running and it can translate well over into the ski races as well. I want to talk about the last year and I know it's been very difficult for everybody, especially athletes. So for you, how did you handle all the changes from events being postponed to the lack of events, not being able to train and with that, maybe a loss of identity, then just the uncertainty that came with it. Basically just summarize the, the, the drama and everything that you've been through over the last year. With the last year I've had to deal with the postponement of the Tokyo Paralympic mm -hmm. games which was initially my first goal before I even stepped on skis was to compete and represent the United States at the Tokyo Paralympic Games for track and field. And to do so, I had quit my job, basically flipped my life upside down in order to start training again at a high level. So to have that postponed was extremely frustrating. And it felt like even though it was just postponed one year, it felt like my dreams kind of came to a halt for a yeah. moment. And so I had to deal with that pill to swallow and figure out since I've been training so much for it to happen in August of 2020, what can I do now to make sure I'm at this place or even better the next year? So it took a lot of planning and strategizing with coaches um, with travel, with things like that in order to make sure that then for the following year, I would be prepped and ready to go. 
obviously at the beginning of the pandemic last year, so many things closing down, gyms, competitions, travel. So it had to be almost a step back in terms of training and you had to figure out creative ways to do it. Luckily, I was doing a sport that is primarily outdoors. So I was still able to go running, to do things along that line. And we all had to be creative taking our strength workouts that we may do at the gym, bringing them to home, things like that. And I think the biggest lesson that I learned through the pandemic, especially when the games were postponed, was learning how to just relax and realizing it's okay to just do nothing sometimes. And you're not going to put yourself too far behind if you took a day off or something along those lines. That seems to be a consistent theme amongst guests is this, it was okay. Just so used to being rush, rush, rush. And it was the first time there were no events, no practice to get to. And that's okay. And I think that's, it's been a consistent theme amongst athletes. One of the things I love about you is, is that you compete in multiple events, especially what you're trying to do now. This is amazing. You're trying to compete in back-to-back Paralympic games. So how are you juggling sufficient training for both? Because it could be easy to maybe focus on the summer because that's closer or how, how do you balance the two? I'm definitely learning right now how to balance the two. When skiing entered my life in December of 2019, I had no idea that just in about two years, there even would be the potential for me to qualify for the Winter Paralympic Games. And then this year, I was invited to train with the Paralympic National Nordic team for the entirety of the winter. And I was even able to this spring represent the US at a World Cup for Paralympic Nordic. And so now that the reality is setting in that there is potential for me to qualify for the Winter Games, it does put a lot of stress on myself because I have to figure out, again, more of a timeline, scheduling, travel. How can I make all these different pieces come together so that I can be at my best for track this summer and be at my best for skiing just six months later. And so this winter I primarily did focus on skiing and it was awesome. I learned more than I ever could by fully dedicating myself to the sport. I feel more prepared in the sport to potentially try to qualify for the game, but it did put me, I would say a little bit behind on track. So now that my ski season's over and I'm full on getting ready for track, I do feel a little more hurried than a typical year. I don't feel like I had the base of track training that I would typically want, but I've surprised myself that the skiing has actually helped my track quite a bit. So my first few workouts back, I felt strong. I felt fit. And it was a surprise to both myself and my coaches that skiing actually might have prepared me better than I thought for track season. Yeah, I guess it's not like you've been sitting around. You were actually being yeah. active. So it's, it's a different type of training, but I'm sure the mental mm-hmm. challenges come with that. With what you're doing, I know that athletes often, there's a season to it. You want to peak at a certain time, not too early, not mm-hmm. too late. You want to time it out to that. So what you're doing, obviously, in a condensed time, there's going to be a lot more challenging. With that, it's also, you're, you're a trailblazer, you're a pioneer in many ways by doing this. 
So when, when things are difficult and you don't know the answer, you don't know how to move forward and it's lots of uncertainty in your life, what do you turn to then? Are there certain people in your life that inspire you and motivate you? Or what happens when you're, you're not sure what to do? So I feel like over the past few years, while I do typically ask family, friends, mentors for advice, and I would rely on others' advice so much to help me steer to the correct path, I think now I'm at a place in my life where while I still value the advice of others and can respect the advice of others, I truly find that the answers I need, I'm more able to answer myself and I can look inwards and figure out what is best for myself because I just know myself so much better at this point. So when times are trickier, when I don't know what to do, I think I have now gained enough self-confidence that I trust my own decisions without needing the external validation of someone else to make sure I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. You develop confidence and self-efficacy over time. I think that's amazing. Another thing I love about you, your carefree personality, and you often joke about single-handedly doing <laughs> things. I love that. So is this mentality that you learned along the way, or has it always been a part of who you are? I wish it had always been a part of who okay, I am, okay. but... It has not been. At a young age, I struggled with self-confidence and feeling comfortable in my own skin because I had such an obvious physical difference. So while others, maybe when they were going through middle school, high school, awkward stages, they typically may have something they're self-conscious about. But for me, it was there all my life and it was never hideable. And so whether it was people coming up in public and asking what happened to my hand, whether it was people staring at me, things like that, I did tend to get pretty bothered. But luckily for me, in the town, in the community I grew up in, the friends I surrounded myself with always made me feel so comfortable with who I am. And they loved that part of me. It was like their favorite thing that Danny had one hand. And so as collectively myself and my friends in high school, we started making these jokes about having one hand because we did realize there were so many scenarios or things that happened in a day that might not have been funny if they had happened to someone with two hands, but because they happened to me who had one hand, the situations we realized were hilarious. And instead of like, sitting back and sulking and feeling embarrassed if I dropped something because I couldn't carry it with two hands or I couldn't do something because I only had one hand. We decided to make light of the situation. And I think that helped me start to develop so much more self-confidence because if my friends are able to make these jokes, if I can make these jokes about myself, it means I accept that part of myself. And it continued through college Again, when I had to go to a new school, meet all new people, I was nervous about those few months potentially of awkwardness of trying to get them used to Danny having one hand. But instead, I made such a great group of friends that we were able to just hop on that same train of making jokes. We made Facebook groups about jokes for one hand. We made Twitter pages and posted about things. We made all the Halloween costumes based around having one hand. So I really do credit a lot of 
the people I surrounded myself with to help me get to that place of making light of the situation, having a good laugh about it. And it has helped me so much more build that self-confidence and truly it's so funny to laugh about. (laughs) There are so many things that are just like hilarious that happen to myself and probably tons of other amputees that may not happen to the average person. And instead of feeling bad for yourself, it's so much better in life to just be able to make fun of yourself. I'm still stuck on the one-handed Halloween costume. So what did, what did that entail? What were the characters you did? <laughs> My first thought was, it's, are you dressing up as uh, Game of Thrones, the character from Game of Thrones? Um, so far, we've done it for a few years running now. Um, we've done Nemo, because Nemo has a little fin. <laughs> Woody from Toy Story, when he his stuffing starts to come out of okay. his arm and his okay. arm's flopping around. Uh, Luke Skywalker when Darth okay, Vader okay. chops off his hand, um, a shark attack victim, <laughs> 127 hours when he has ah, to saw off his own arm. Okay, but I'm starting to run low on ideas. So if you have any, please. Amy Lannister, Game pass of Thrones. Them along. Amy Lannister, okay. Game of Thrones. That's good. I don't watch Game of Thrones, so that's good to know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> then I, then I just gave away one. a huge spoiler. Then, jeez. <laughs> 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 no, I need that though because I'll watch it now so I can get the info and the idea behind the costume. But yeah, definitely needs more costumes for years to come. <laughs> uh, well, even aside from that, I highly recommend the show. <laughs> so you recently started a YouTube channel. What can viewers expect from your channel? Yes, I started the YouTube channel a few weeks now. I just feel like I am in such an interesting place in life where I'm trying right now to qualify for both summer and winter Paralympic games. I went from having a traditional nine to five career to hopping back into the sports world. So I wanted to be able to share that journey with people. And what I want my YouTube channel to be is a lot about what it's like being a full-time athlete, because I myself, until I got into this lifestyle had no idea the hardships that come with it the financial stresses what an average day looks like so often i think the image we have of pro athletes is people who play in the nba playing the mlb playing the nfl but there's so many other sports out there that have these professional athletes that live very interesting lifestyles and they're not necessarily the glamorized lifestyles we may associate with pro athletics So I wanted to be able to show that side of what it's like training. And I also wanted to open up conversations and make an inclusive place where myself, my peers who also have disabilities could talk about and familiarize themselves with viewers. Because I think the more we can talk about disability inclusion and people can just understand more about disability the less it will become a stigma about it. And the like for anyone who knows me now, they, like I said before, they can make a joke about having someone having one hand, things like that. And I think if people get exposed to it more often, it becomes more normalized and isn't like this strange thing to see someone out in public missing a limb anymore. So I hope to make it an inclusive place for that as well. Ah, that's fantastic. 
for you, mental fitness, mental toughness is something that's incredibly important, especially in, in attempting to participate in both winter and summer. How has your mental training changed over the years, especially from your time when you were in college? What ways have you changed and adapted? And are there certain things that you use now in your daily process to, to handle all the extra pressure you're facing as a professional athlete? So I think transitioning from college into now what I'm doing athletically, before I was so often trying to do things athletically to make others happy or others proud. I wanted to, in this sport, run this time because it would make my coach happy. Or I wanted to make this basket because it would make my parents proud. And now I feel like I'm in such a place where at the end of the day, I'm just trying to make myself happy. And I think while I still do obviously want to make others proud and others who have invested and taken time to help me in this journey, I, at the end of the day, want to do this for myself. And I think that in my daily practices, the mental toughness now comes more so from self-worth rather than trying to prove myself to another person. And I always put such a pressure on myself to perform a certain way athletically also because I didn't want someone to think, oh, she's only on the team or only playing in this game because she has one hand. Mm -hmm. I never wanted someone to pity me for me missing a hand. And so that's where my competitiveness came from. But now it's more so trying to prove something to myself because I just have so much more faith and confidence in myself that I find it coming from within validation rather than from others. I love that more of that strengthening of your self-efficacy and confidence. What's a rest day like for you? Because I know they're incredibly important. I know, and I, but I also know it's incredibly tough because you want to push and push and push and you're training for these events, but rest days are important. So for you, what's, what's that look like? Our stay now typically happens once a week. Okay. And this winter, since I was living in Montana, I do love to downhill ski recreationally. And while some might consider doing another activity on your rest day, it's not truly rest. resting. Yeah. Active rest. Yeah. <laughs> I like to go downhill skiing this winter on my rest day. And I found that extremely enjoyable and easy enough that I wouldn't cause any stress to my body. Um, This spring, honestly, my rest days will probably just be catching up on work and it's going to be going to bed super early and just spending time. I honestly can't do nothing for the most part and it will be a lot of catching up on work relaxing, probably taking a walk, but I'll always somehow find a way to work in some type of workout, whether it's just like 20 minutes in the morning, I'll probably still do some sort of workout. Well, and that's the advantage of training for multiple sports is that Mm -hmm. you are resting on one, but you're also still getting that workout. (laughs) You spend a lot of time in the Rocky Mountains though. So I am curious, favorite ski resort in the Rocky Mountains is what? Favorite ski So this year I was in Bozeman, Montana. So I do love Big Sky, but previously I spent 
few years in Utah, and my favorite resort there was Snowbird. So, yeah. Okay. Those are two of the great ones, I would say. Love it, love it. <laughs> what do you feel is the biggest lesson you've learned from the last year? And it doesn't even have to be athletics, just with just the crazy world that we've had. The biggest lesson I've learned the past year would be to be able to take a step back, relax, and not feel guilty about it. Because prior to the pandemic, when I was extremely busy between working multiple jobs, training for the two sports, I never allowed myself to just breathe for a second. And when I say relax, it doesn't have to be a whole day of doing nothing, but just even giving yourself like a small snippet of time to do something that just brings you joy, whether that's taking 20 extra minutes to be able to sip your coffee at the table while reading a book or watching a video instead of hustling and having to do it on your drive to the work. And I think I've done a lot better about that. And while we've all been forced to take a step back, now that life is starting to pick up again, people may be returning to work, events are on, etc. I found that just finding moments in my day where I can relax and not feel so hurried all the time has been the biggest blessing and I encourage anyone even the busiest person in the world if it means you have to wake up five to ten minutes earlier so you can enjoy your breakfast a little bit more I just find those moments to take things a little bit slower so much more valuable now so then when you are in an activity at work in a training session I feel like you can give it a little bit more because you're not already overwhelmed from the busyness of life. That's a great point. So when you are taking those extra 20 minutes on the coffee, what's the coffee order? <laughs> um, well, obviously we're not going out for coffee as much as we used to. So I've been very much into making cold brew at home mm -hmm. and making my own cold foam by using a little bit of heavy whipping cream, milk, and a flavored syrup and whisking that up to put on top. Sounds lovely. What's your schedule coming up? So take me through just the timeline you've got for this next crazy year because <laughs> I got to tell you, you've got summer in a few months and you've also got the winter. <laughs> the, we can officially say winter is in a few months as well because it's less than a year. So what's the schedule for you like coming up? My schedule coming up, I have track meets almost every weekend or every other meet weekend between mid-April till the end of June. At the end of June, I will compete at the USA Paralympic Team Trials. And based off of my results from that, I will know if I'm going to represent the US at Tokyo or not. If I am, that means track season will be extended till the first weekend in September. And quick turnaround, we'll start basically ski training at the same time, mid-May, which to some that sounds a little wild to be doing ski training in mid-May, but we uh, have some different ways we can still get in our active 
cardio need and also technique for cross-country skiing. We use roller skis. We have different sessions for biathlon, for shooting. So that will be a combination of the two sports starting about mid-May and continuing on until we could hopefully get to some camps in October for some snow in potentially somewhere like Lake Placid, etc. And so the timeline will be potentially early September will be the Tokyo Paralympic Games and then quick turnarounds on snow in October and Paralympic trials for skiing in December and then Paralympics for skiing will be in March. Fantastic. Oh, it's going to be a busy and exciting year for you. How can people stay up to date and follow along? Yes. So I did just start the YouTube channel. You can find it on YouTube. It's Danny Ervich, my first name and my last name. And then on all of my social media channels right now, it is at the one arm Dan spelled out. And I have um, a website you can find as well to learn more about my training. And that is dannyervich.com. Fantastic. I'm excited to watch the follow along. This is really Thank cool that you. you're doing both. Thank you. I appreciate your time too. Well, thanks for your time today. Of course. My pleasure. Have a good one. Bye, Danny. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Danny. Best of luck on both games on both the summer and winter games in the next year. Give her a follow on Instagram, the one arm Dan, and be sure to subscribe to her YouTube channel as well. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Adiento. Randall has become like, you know, New York's favorite son.